This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. What else are you going to do in the international break than sit down with a list of every single player in the City squad, plus a few extras, and work out who should stay, who should go, who should go out on loan? It's Wednesday the 22nd of March. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Ollie McCool. And I'm Alex Burlington. And this is the City Report podcast. (laughs) Unbelievable! Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6... It's two for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur three, Manchester City four. They have made the impossible possible. Straight into it then, introduction did all the sort of the background, the context of what we're here to do today. Before we do though, quick admin, of course, if you'd listened to Monday's show, you'd have heard we've cut the schedule down a little bit this week as it's the international break. Three episodes instead of the usual five. When you've done here, you can go back and listen to Monday's Burnley review if you haven't already. Instead, today we'll be going, we're doing a bit of organising, but we're looking ahead to uh, to the new season, a bit of forward planning. Quotes from Guardiola after the Burnley game hinted that he could be making a trip to Abu Dhabi in the international break to discuss City's summer plans with the hierarchy. Now we're going to get uh, we're going to delve into the current squad, the current makeup of the squad, including a few youth players who are out on loan, and discuss whether or not we would keep them, sell them, or loan them. It is as simple as that. Three different criterias, three different options. So let's kick off with the goalkeepers. Um, Edison, Stefan Ortega, both keep? Yeah, 100%. Um, Edison is coming for criticism this season. A lot of it unfairly, in my opinion. Stefan Ortega finally looks like we've got a a good backup to Edison. uh, And I think we can get a second year out of him before he'll want to leave for more regular football again. So no problems there for me. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, Alex, I've got 
Zach Steffen in this list. He's obviously been out on loan at Middlesbrough. He's played quite a lot of football and they could be in a promotion battle. They're vying with Sheffield United for that final spot behind, automatic spot behind Burnley. Um, I'm looking at a, a decent chunk of a decent chunk of dollar for him. I don't know about you. He's had a, low, a year out on loan. He's performed well enough. You know, it's not going to break the bank, but a nice 10, 15 million. I think it's what I'm getting at is he's going to probably be sold. Yeah, I think it's... I'd be surprised, like really surprised if he doesn't end up leaving permanently. But I don't think it's... I'd be surprised as well if it's 15 million, to be honest. I think, you know, he's had a fairly dramatic fall from grace, really, hasn't he? I mean, it's not been quite as, you know, front and centre of the headlines just because it's, you know, it's it was the reserve goalkeeper at Manchester City. But he went from being the number one keeper for the US men's national team and then it all just sort of fell apart last season with that FA Cup semi-final, goes on loan to Middlesbrough, who, you know, the greatest respect, but they play in the second division of, of English football, isn't even in the American squad for the World Cup. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I'd, just be, I'd be surprised if they get like a... Obviously, they're going to make a profit, aren't they? Because it was only a few million pounds that they signed him for, I think. Um, but yeah, I can't see any sort of world where he's in the city you know, on the city bench next season, to be honest with you. So Zach Steffen gone, that leaves out of the quartet of goalkeepers at the club right now or, or contracted to the club, senior players, Scott Carson. His contract's up in the summer, Ollie. I think it may be time, at least from a playing point of view, and I know that's doing a lot of heavy lifting with the the, the word playing, but I think it's possibly time that we say goodbye to, to good old Scott. There was a bit of a chitter chatter about someone like James Trafford coming into the senior team, whether or not he'll stay or go, we'll have to wait and see. But I think we can all put a line through Scott Carson and say, yeah, he's probably done. And he served us superbly well, which is absolutely fine. Yeah. I mean, Scott Carson, he's kind of been, you know, a cult hero in his what three years, four years here uh, by the end of this season. Now. Uh, I mean, for, for me, it's up to him to what he wants to do. Um, I don't think you can fret too much about third choice goalkeeper. If if he wants to, you know, pretend he's still a player almost instead of a more <laughs> kind of inspirational leader in the dressing room and kind of the the joke the joke you know the class clown but the very kind of actually well respected player that man that he is, then fair enough. Um, but I I could imagine him taking up a coaching role with the academy or some sort of like that. You know, he's thirty seven, thirty eight now chance to settle down a bit, spend more time with his family, I'd imagine, at that age, because he hasn't played football for three years, so I can imagine he wants to move on from his current predicament in some capacity. Yeah, absolutely, and you know he's been a fantastic servant in the few years he has been here, and and uh, will forever remember those cameos in cup matches and, and games when City had won the leagues, and he's coming on just sort of looking like a dad competing in the in the kids' school uh, kids' school game on a school fair or something like that. Um, right, okay, fairly simple that one. Edison, Stefan Ortega stay in. Scott Carson, Zach Stefan going. Um, let's move on to the defenders then. Just a quick caveat: if you're wondering, we're not really going to be looking at potential income comings in this podcast so you know maybe down the line we'll do something similar but with with new players this is purely going to be who stays who goes I've green lighted a few names and and if there's any opposition then please speak now but I've got Manuel Akanji I've got John Stones I've got Ruben Diaz I've got Nathan Ake and Rico Lewis of absolute dead cert stays is that I'm getting a couple of nods. It's looking good there. One name that I've green-lighted, which might be controversial at this point, 
but Sergio Gomez, Alex, he's been sort of like where the wild ones were in this this season. He's pops out every now and again on the sort of uh, almost like a, a character in a sitcom making a guest appearance here and there. He's not really had the minutes we maybe expected when he arrived. Obviously, there was a lot of talk at the time he could have been loaned out. I think he's had a tough first season. I wouldn't mind seeing him stay longer. That's why I've given him the green light. But I think if I'm being totally honest, we're probably going to see a loan move for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's. I don't think they'd sell him mainly because, you know, they're not going to really make, get any returns, are they? Because as you sort of said, he's not really played enough to or shown enough to, to kind of get that kind of, um, you know, like a profit in. Um, obviously, he's a great player to kind of have around as a sort of, you know, we've seen it a few times in the last few months where games have been won or Guardiola decides key players need to come off and, and Gomez can fill at left back. He can go into midfield as, as part of a double pivot. But, you know, you'd think City will probably look to to try and uh, have another go at solving the left back, left back problem. Uh, and, you know, I don't think he's going to be sort of happy to just sit around doing sort of now if they bring a, a left back in or continue just to play Ake at left back or whatever they decide to do. Um, so, yeah, I think alone is probably probably the best option for him and, and for City, you know, it's, um, you know, it, there is precedent there. It worked for Zinchenko, didn't it? No one thought, ever thought he would ever sort of come back into the squad and, you know, he fought his way in and did it. So it's not necessarily the end for Gomez, but I think um, alone is probably the most likely thing in, in 2023. Yeah, yeah, which is a shame because he, he looks like a lovely lad. And I know we can't be handing out contracts and minutes on, on well, I don't know, actually, given some of the problems that you've had in the dressing room, maybe you can, but he hopefully, hopefully might get another shot at it, uh, depending on what sort of happens between now and the end of the season. But it's looking like he may be out the door. I've got Josh Wilson Esbrand in a similar column. Obviously, he's at Coventry City at the moment. There's a lot of talk about him at the start of the season potentially being one to, to sort of fill that left back void. Never came to fruition. It was Rico Lewis. The young, the young fullback who came to the to the fold. Um, big start, like the first big talking point of this list of players, though, Ollie is Kyle Walker. He was obviously rumored to have had contract talks paused with City and on the on the back of his um, antics in Wilmslow. Let's say, obviously, the police sort of said there was nothing, there was no wrongdoing there. They dropped any sort of investigation. We'll wait and see if the the contract talks start up again. But at the moment, he's gonna he's gonna be out of contract at the end of next season. At the start of the campaign, he'd have turned thirty three. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm being totally honest. Should City, I don't know, maybe highlight this position as one that they really want to find investment in? It's obviously not a priority one, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of talk about either Kyle Walker not extending his deal or potentially leaving in the summer. Yeah, I think either way, you know, he's going to be leaving either this summer or next. Um, I personally hope it's. I personally hope it's this summer. Uh, I just look at him and I think you've been a brilliant servant of this club, but you know antics off the pitch affect my personal opinion of him, but I'm trying not to let that affect my football opinion of him because he's still a brilliant footballer. But 33, you know, Pep Guardiola's one of his first moves in the 17-18 transformation window was to buy all new fullbacks. I think we're getting to a similar point. This It's going to be like this this season. I think it's going to have to be, there is going to have to be serious investment in the fullback area. If there's an offer for Kyle Walker that comes in from, you know, I don't know, one of one of you know, say that the, the, there's been Turkish clubs sniffing around him. 
there's always rumours that he could go back to Sheffield United, and you know they could they could be coming up automatically. So you know there could be something there, because the second that pace drops off, his level at the elite 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 just comes down a bit. I don't think he's good enough to become a centre back as we've seen with you know aging fullbacks in the past, uh, especially not at Manchester City's level. Um, so I think if an offer's there for Carl Walker, I'd be taking it in a heartbeat this summer and looking to find someone else at right back. Or we go on to another name that's on this list. I'm sure we're going to come on to in Jao Cancelo and what we do with him. Yeah, yeah, the, he's probably the biggest one. Uh, the naughty school child, what to do with that one that's been expelled. But uh, stick with Kyle Walker momentarily, Alex. It, it's all, it, it's funny how quick football changes because it's unthinkable this time last year when City were having issues with his his position with injury. I remember a, a semi-final against Real Madrid where Vinny Jr. gave poor Fernandinho the absolute runaround and, and it looked like it aged him about 10 years that game itself. But it was unthinkable at that time to think maybe in 12 months' time we'd be speaking about him leaving the football club because of how integral he was but we've seen with the the new sort of inverted fullbacks Rico Lewis doing that excellent job stepping into midfield you can't teach an old dog new tricks it seems and Kyle Walker has tried that at times it hasn't worked as well he's obviously had an injury which was a a major part of his sort of stifle in his current campaign and since then he's never looked the same player do I think he leaves in the summer? Probably not. But especially when we're looking towards that final 12 months of his contract, if an offer comes in, do the club say yes? Do the club say no? I, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I don't think they're going to make, you know, if they decided to sell him, I don't think it's not going to be like a huge offer anyway, is it? So I personally, you know, obviously there's loads of factors that go into it that we're never going to, you know, fully know about, you know, like how the attitudes are behind the scenes. Obviously, him and Cancelo weren't too happy in January where they weren't really playing. Enrico Lewis was starting a lot of games. Um, Cancelo clearly was the more unhappy of the two. And Walker has kind of left the bad faces behind and he's um, back to sort of um, his normal positive self now uh, on the pitch. But, you know, unless an off comes in, I'd be tempted just to sort of keep him uh, and let the contract kind of run down. And then, you know, and then just sort of let him go because I don't know. I don't unless they're going to bring someone in. Um, I, I I don't know. I do sort of. It does feel like there isn't much of a way back for Cancelo. Um, you know, for City to act like that so suddenly. Um, and you know, there has been a few sort of like maybe we're looking in, into it too deeply, but there seems to have been a few little remarks from Guardiola, like in in recent press conferences, hasn't there, where it's a bit um, talking about you know. You always need to, uh, the, the players that are always sort of the most positive putting, you know, when you're not necessarily uh, in the team and that kind of thing. He's, he's been talking about um, Nathan Ake, I think it was, and and, uh, and Ruben Diaz about that. And, you know, it seems like a little bit of a hint about certain players like Cancelo that didn't have that attitude. Um, so if Cancelo's not going to come back or is sold, I'd be tempted just to keep Walker because I don't think you want to put that pressure on Rico Lewis unless you then go and sign another right back, which then kind of, is kind of the, the opposite for Rico Lewis. It's like, how is he going to play if City go and spend fifty million mm. on a new right back? So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a conundrum, isn't it? But I think I think maybe the best option might be just to keep him um, as long as the off field matters and attitude um, sort of get better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, dear me. Um, I know exactly what you mean. And, and especially, say, for example, he he wasn't to be handed a new contract. It's, I've, I've always felt it was a, a strange move by City when he's sort of approaching 33, coming by the end of next season when his current deal will expire, will be 34. So I've always thought, like, 
you can let that go into the final 12 months. He's unlikely to be touted by abroad from a club abroad. He's probably going to stay in England, if anything. Um, yeah, weird one. We'll wait and see with that one. A um, couple of the, the naughty names as, as have been referenced. Cancelo, we're going to stick these two together because by all accounts, they are the ones causing problems. Uh, Cancelo has gone. He's at Bayern Munich, obviously. I merit Laporte is still at Manchester City. got his first appearance in, in quite a long time. Oh, sorry, first start in quite a long time against Burnley at the weekend. Oli, I I don't see a world where these two play for Manchester City after the current season. I think for Cancelo, the writing's already on the wall. Uh, if I'm being honest, it's just about finding a club that will take him. Laporte, similarly, if the funds are there, and I think this summer we sort of about just in Europe, just about getting back towards where it was pre-COVID with the money flying about and people being able to afford transfer fees. I think those two, done and dusted, City careers over, which is a shame because they're so talented. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll start with Laporte because I think he's kind of an easier one. He's more, he's the one I'm kind of happy to say goodbye to and feel, you know, really proud of his time. Not every player can stay 10 years. Not every player Mm -hmm. is going to stay for the vast majority of their career. And Emeric Laporte, you know, very fearless centre-back in, brilliant brilliant player in an ideal world we would keep him because I think he's one of the best centre-backs in the world but at the same time he obviously wants to play more which is completely fair uh, for a player of his quality you know he'd he'd be starting for any other club in the world um, you know and there's and there's other leagues where he would easily be the best defender in that league um, whether he is over here is a different story because there's a certain Mr John Stones um, so I think if an offer coming in for Laporte, I think they'll take whatever they can get, 40, 50 million. Um, I don't think, I think with him, you can kind of say, you've given us a lot here. You've done really, really well. You know, we made you, you know, suffer through that knee injury at the end of last season, having to get surgery over the summer. You've committed a lot to this club. We're going to make your exit an easy one because it's right for everyone. Cancelo, I think there's a very slim chance he could be here. And that's if just no one pays up for him because he's just signed a new contract, you know, months ago. Uh, he's, you know, Bayern Munich, I don't think they're going to pay the 70 million option. They're going to try and negotiate a lower fee. Um, you know, if they come in with something derisory like 30 million, I think City are more than entitled to tell them to, you know, de- do one and we'll just keep and we'll just keep them until a better offer comes along. Um, you know, it would be a sh- it would be a shame to... It's a shame to lose both of these players, uh, but Cancelo kind of marked his own way out. And even though he says nice things in press conferences, in Pep Guardiola's mind, he's still this sort of, you know, insolent little boy, almost, with the way he kind of speaks about Cancelo, um, whether it's subconscious or not with him, I don't know. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's kind of, we're waving happily goodbye to one and we're kind of putting two fingers up at the other saying, get out the door as quickly as you can. Um, yeah, those. on alternate hands as well, doing it at the same time <laughs> on both hands. Um, yeah, it, it, it's two very similar situations, Alex, but two very different. The the, the way they got here, the context behind it. Um, it for me, I think it, this is over the overarching feeling I get with it though is the evolution of City's current squad, and we've known for sort of since Guardiola arrived, sort of from twenty seventeen eighteen onwards, and even even before that, with a couple of the signings, they've been purchasing top talent, not necessarily at the top of their game in their position until recently with Haaland and the Jude Bellingham links, but you know, some like I Merrick Laporte, he was a really good European centre-half he's developed into a world-class centre-half at times, 
Cancelo as well, sort of in and out the squad at Juventus was used as part of a, a swap deal for Danilo. And then they're going to leave with the stock much higher. I think this is just where we're at with City at the moment. As Oli says, not every player can stay for 10 years, get a statue, score the league winning goal. Frustrating because there's a lot of talent and and two clubs or, or one club, if they go to the same one, are going to get, you know, two very good footballers. However, this is how it goes. There'll be players that come in the summer and, and maybe five years down the line, they'll be looking to engineer moves away as well. It's, it's just how it is at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Um, you can't have such a talented squad and everyone's always, you know, as you say, everyone's going to stay for 10 years. Everyone's going to be super happy. Every every fullback's going to be a Pablo Zabala or every centre-back's going to be a company in terms of their character, dedication, you know, always being happy despite the lows um, and everything like that. So, yeah, you know, they've got a core and obviously we can't really say they've got a group of really, like a really deep group of, of fullbacks, but it just is what it is with Cancelo. You know, it's um, not to not to kind of, uh, you know, put him down too much, but he has got kind of a history of, of um, you know, sort of falling out with managers and, sort of getting his back up when things don't necessarily go his way. So it's perhaps not not no one really predicted this, did they? But it's just one of those things mm. that happens sometimes in football and and you know, City got two very, very good seasons out of him. Um obviously he struggled in his first one, but he played such a huge role in in the the uh the back to back title wins. Uh I'm Rick Laporte as well, really important in in three titles uh that he's won while he's been at City. Four. Four is it? Three out lose count um, yeah. um but yeah it's just one of those things and you know as long as city get decent fees um i don't think you know it's it's too much of a tragedy really is it because they've shown with their recruitment that they're usually um pretty good so i'm sure there'll be some good replacements coming in yeah yeah absolutely i echo that completely uh finally with the defenders then taylor harwood bellis has been at the club through the academy I've got him down as a sell. Now, there's talk about City offering him a new contract, which I'd be interested to see what that entails. Is that offering him a new contract with the view to loaning him out again next season, or is it to sort of secure a decent fee? He's been fantastic for Burnley when he's been fit this season. Ollie, um, I'm looking at maybe another £15, £20 million. The sort of deal City were doing last summer with the... Uh, sort of Lavia move, the Bazunu move to Southampton, upping that transfer kitty by selling off academy players who've had fantastic loans, his stock is unlikely to get any higher if he's loaned out again because he's been that good for Burnley in, in what is one of the best championship teams of all time. Sell for me, I think that's fair. I don't know about you. Uh, definitely. Uh, I love Taylor Howard Bellis from the moment he came into the team. I just thought, God, this guy just looks a player. Um, and I think if he were to stay at City, um, you know, if he was signing a new contract, he'd just be holding his own career back at this point. He's not going to make it here uh, at the moment, which is a shame because I think he's brilliant. And I think, you know, if City put a buyback in there, I can see them activating it in a couple of years' time when, you know, when we start to look at people like John Stones moving on or Nathan Ake moving on, I think, you know, there could be a spot for him to come back then, but it's going to require him going out permanently now just so he can continue getting consistent game time. You know, maybe he even stays with Vincent Company's Burnley next season in the Premier League. Um, we can say if they come up, but it's pretty obvious they're going to come up by this point. Um, and they, and I think they want to keep him as well. There's always going to be clubs who are interested in him. I think Everton have sniffed around him at some points as well. 
Uh, as you say, 15, 20 million pounds. I think that's more than doable. I think it's actually probably undercutting him a little bit, considering, you know, Romeo Levere had barely played any senior football, 15 million pounds. You know, Taylor Harwell Bellis had a brilliant is having a brilliant season in the championship, had a brilliant loan at Blackburn for his first loan spell in senior football. Um, I think there's a very, very good player there who will do great things in the Premier League, but just not at Manchester City. Feels a little bit like the Tosin Adarabayo one in that sense. Obviously, billed as a future City captain at one point and then obviously fell away. Um, right, OK, that'll do for part one. We'll be back in part two to continue our sell-keep loan, starting with the midfielders. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for, usually, daily Manchester City content, as always. Uh, the, the admin at this point, follow, subscribe if you haven't already, leave a rating and a review as well. Cracking back on with it, Alex, uh, midfielders is probably the most interesting of categories in this discussion because there's so many question marks surrounding exits, extensions, players getting older and whatnot. First things first, Rodri, uh, has anyone got any qualms with him being sold? And, and Kevin De Bruyne, likewise, I think those two are, are pretty dead certs. Do you agree? Yeah, apart from his weirdly hairy arms, I have no qualms. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, Rodri's stayed, obviously, that's safe as houses, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As for the other midfielders that I've got as the as the stays, um, Ollie, Calvin Phillips, James McAtee, Max Perone, a couple of different reasons. Obviously, James McAtee has come back or will be coming back from a, a very successful loan with Sheffield United. Perone arrived in January. We've seen bits and bobs. He could be in the loan category, but his integration into the first team I, I, I don't know. I just get the sense that he's there, and he's he wouldn't he, he'd he'd have gone out on loan in the January window if that was going to be the case. And then Calvin Phillips, who seems to be the the sort of the major talking point away from the Gundawans, the Bernardo Silvers, etc. He's had a torrid, torrid first year, and and I almost want to cut him. A, I almost want to give him a hug if I'm being totally honest. But I think he needs slack cutting uh, quite quite significantly because he's had an injury. He's obviously made the big money move, having previously said that only one or two clubs in world football would have been able to pry him away from Leeds United and, and City and Guardiola being one. He's come in to sort of deputise to Rodri, who for, I assume, all of our money is the best holding midfielder in world football. He obviously, mid, mid-season World Cup, wanted to represent England, sort of pushed his fitness regime to the extreme to get back in time for that, came back, quote-unquote, overweight, uh, despite still looking quite, you know, putting us all to shame. But I just think he's had such a tough season, the toughest season maybe of any Pep new signing. I think it'd be, as some briefings are suggesting, ridiculous to let him go in the summer. Yeah, um, I can see that argument. But I just think if a club offers, you know, what we paid for him, I don't think City are going to have any qualms in turning that down and, you know, activating a buyback on Romeo Levere. Or, you know, there was talk of, you know, Declan Rice coming here, Calvin Phillips going there. I think West Ham are going to be a bidder for him because Cat, uh, Declan Rice is obviously going to move on that and, and I think that will create a domino effect with defensive midfielders and Calvin Phillips, if you know they're still in the Premier League, obviously, um, would probably be number one on that list. Uh, there was talk, there's talk of Leicester, there's talk of other clubs. Um, so it depends on the offer. Um, you know, as you say, that it's, it, it would look harsh. The optics of it would be horrendous on both the club and on Calvin Phillips. 
but you know, if if he's still if he's here next season, then I don't think anyone can really you know be going. Oh, what a shame about that. Um, and for me, I'd, I'd be much more in your camp, Amos, if it wasn't for a certain player called Romeo Oliveira at Southampton, where there's a little tasty forty million pound buyback on a player that is most likely going to be relegated um, mm. after a brilliant after a brilliant personal season at a torrid club. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting one, and, and like I said, no, no incomings, Charlie. You've broke the seal there, but uh, potentially that could that could sort of make some levers be pulled, as as Laporta at Barcelona would say. Alex, Calvin Phillips, does he stay for you? Does he go? It's just uh, it just kind of goes against every, like every, everything we know about you know City giving time for players with the. With the you know the, the first season they need to bed in you know like how many people were saying Rodri needed to be sold and after his first season uh, I think we just forget you know how much everyone was really sort of I'm not saying maybe not quite as bad as as how Calvin Phillips has uh has struggled but you know people just weren't happy at all after that 1920 season but at the same time it's it's hard to see how he gets the minutes to kind of you know kick his sort of city career up the backside for for want of a better phrase like where where's it going to come city i don't think city are just going to suddenly start playing rodri and phillips as the pivot i think we'll probably just continue doing the inverted fullback thing next season so i don't know he's alone maybe depends maybe if he needs the confidence they might consider alone but i feel like i'd be surprised if they suddenly decide to sell him because i don't know i don't really see how they'd recoup that the 42 million um you know, after a year spent on the bench playing what is going in the end is going to be less than fifteen appearances, uh, isn't it? And hardly any starts. Um, so I, I think I feel like maybe alone if he really needs that um, sort of confidence boost. But I think really City, as long as he's happy to stay and, and fight, would probably like him to stay another year, just you know for cover. Because then if, if Rodri gets an injury and Rodri's been really good and not not really picking up injuries, hasn't he? But you know. If you if that was to happen, then you'd need Calvin Phillips, and there's no one really better. I don't think that you'd want to regularly play. So um, I feel like a loan is more likely. I, I love the idea of of someone being really really bad at purposefully at picking up injuries. You know, Rodri's <laughs> been really good at not picking up injuries. I love the idea of I don't know Wayne Rooney when he was younger just getting a hammer and smashing it against his metatarsal. But I, I know exactly what you mean. I guess, I guess my oh, my sort of my, my major point with Calvin Phillips would be. What what were people expecting? He was obviously never gonna displace Rodri after the season he had last year, and obviously the form he's continued this season. So, given the the sort of the struggles he's had at the start of the campaign, Calvin Phillips, this is, I guess, this is possibly. Obviously, we wanted a bit more. We wanted to see him a bit more. But when a player has surgery on a recurring issue and they're out for a couple of months, you know, essentially every single minute on the pitch is 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 billed as recovery time. And and hopefully, fingers crossed, there will be more minutes. But he was always going to be the deputy. So I. I Personally, I don't find it much of a surprise that he hasn't featured as much as people would like. Um, I mentioned his name there, Ollie James McAtee. I've got him in the keep column. I was a bit confused when he was sent out on loan to Sheffield United at the start of the season. He's obviously done really well, but I still think City could have used him and utilised him in the squad this season. Let's pair him with his Sheffield United teammate, Tommy Doyle, who scored the winning goal to send him to Wembley to face Manchester City in the semi-final. I've actually got him in the in the cell column. Similar reasons to Harwood Bellis in the sense that 
I don't think he's quite got the quality. And, and, you know, we're speaking about a position where Calvin Phillips, England international, can't get in. So it's unlikely Tommy Doyle would be able to either. But I, I just feel as though James McAtee has the technical ability, he has the potential. Tommy Doyle, absolutely love him. He's been flourishing for the for the City Academy teams. He's had a couple of loans. It hasn't gone well in a couple of them. It's done really well this season at Sheffield United. But again, maybe another money, money recuperator for a, a big midfield signing. Yeah, absolutely. On uh, Tommy Doyle, um, I love that. I love the guy. His history with this club is, you know, it's unparalleled. Really, you know, he's got so much history and legacy about, you know, the Do- the Doyle name um, and Glimpardo, Obviously, you know, two very famous relatives in his family and City legends of the highest order. But you know, he's he's just not had that opportunity to break into the squad. Um, you know, and I don't think it's ever gonna come for him. So a good sale, obviously the caveat buyback, just in case you never know what's gonna happen down the road. James McAtee, I mean, he asked for this loan and it's worked yeah. out for him. Um so I think he can feel quite justified in his decision to ask for it. Uh, because as, I think he would have got more minutes this season, but then you look at someone like Carl Palmer, who I'm sure we're well, definitely going to come on to later in this podcast. Um, he hasn't had those minutes. Um, you know, could they have both benefited from a loan? Who knows? But uh, I think McAtee is going to be the first one since Zinchenko to come back from a loan and make it at City because there's just there's so much belief in him from the City hierarchy. You know, they were they were hesitant to send him out on loan, uh, but he had his pick of them. He had a pick of he had the pick of all the clubs in Europe essentially, and he's and he found one which he's gelled with. He's been adapting to new positions. He's going to come back a much better player, and who knows, you know, with how the midfield's going to be reshaped around two certain names that we're going to come on to in a second. Um, I think there's going to be space for James McAtee to come here and flourish in the way you know that Phil Foden did in you know kind of the 2021 seasons. You know, get those sort of minutes. You know, play making himself a versatile player, which he's obviously, which he's been at Sheffield United. Um, and you could see me smiling. At this, I love James McAtee. I think the, I think the guy is just one of the. He's a phenomenal player, and he's hopefully going to, you know, be a big, big part of City's future. I find it so interesting, I, and I, I have a baseline position with City loanees that if they go out on loan, for me, it's a, a an immediate. You're never going to play for for the senior squad again in terms of you know Premier League, Champions League, etc. But with James McAtee, it, it's it's making me get my rubber out a little bit, it's, or, or a razor for the American listeners. It's making me go back on it and think, you know what, this could be the first one, the the first real one, because you mentioned mentioned Zinchenko. I don't even think Zinchenko would have uh, assumed at that point he was going to make it in the City senior team. So I find. And this sort of the way the loan system has worked this year is has been a little bit different to how it has done in previous years. And, and yeah, James McAtee definitely has a future at the club, potentially, Alex, because of Ilkay Gundogan and Bernardo Silva. Let's start with Bernardo Silva because it's probably the, the simplest of ones. He's been trying for a, a move away from City since black and white television, it seems. He's been denied because of asking price and fair, rightly so because he is an unbelievable talent. And, and my decision here isn't a judgment on his ability to play football. It's purely because I feel like now is the perfect time for all parties to, to sanction that sale. City aren't going to get close to the, what, £80 million he wanted last summer. It's probably going to be closer to £50 million, which is, you know, a steal if anyone can stump up the cash. However, obviously, with his contract, w- would be going into the final two years of it by the end of next season. There'd just be one year left. 
it's going to be a sad day when he leaves, but um, I think now sort of is the right time for Bernardo Silva to to pack his bags and head to sunny Spain if that's where he really, really wants to go. Yeah, I think it's it just fits in nicely with City's approach, which is, you know, what they've had with all these players um, where it's, you know, if, if you want to go, bring a, an appropriate offer and we're not going to stand in your way. And I feel like they'll be they'll take that approach even more sort of strongly with Bernardo, given the, how well he's done, the, the service he's given the club. You know, his attitude when the when his requests have kind of uh, just not really come through. So, you know, he, he didn't leave in 2021, didn't leave last summer. And then in both seasons following the kind of not leaving, he's just been incredible uh, and been such an important part of the team. Uh, and, you know, he hasn't shown it at all in his attitude. He's never been um, one of the sad faces. Uh, he's, you know, he's, he's just been, it's hard to think of any more sort of superlatives to describe mm. the how technically good, but, you know, his attitude as well. So I think, yeah, it's um, it's not really clear where because, you know, obviously there's, there's there seems to be more developments with Barcelona's financial situation and who knows. I, I wouldn't put it past them to find more levers to pull to, to then find around 50, 50, 60 million for Bernardo. But I think if the offer comes in, they just have to let him go now, don't they? If he still wants to go. Fingers crossed him. He's been denied so many times. He's sort of got Stockholm syndrome now and he just doesn't want to, doesn't want to leave. Um, but yeah, I'd love him to stay. I think we all would. But, um, you know, it's um, City probably just owe it to him now. If, if he still wants to go for family reasons or whatever it, whatever it is, then uh, if the offer comes, then they should probably accept. I've, I've just got this horrible, horrible feeling that after all of these sort of the, the the messaging from Bernardo's camp that he wants to leave for, for sunnier climates, warmer warmer climates, that he's going to end up signing for Liverpool or Chelsea or someone like that because they come in with, with the offer and City go, oh yeah, okay, we'll take that money off your pop. Um, oh, God, I'd have to start a GoFundMe for Bernardo myself. Um, right, okay, the final one of the midfield, uh, the midfielders, Oli, and, and my opinion on Ilkay Gundogan's future changes quite literally by the day. Um, last week, Alex, we were on the show, weren't we, when we spoke about Gundogan's future after the Leipzig game. But I don't know. I, 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 the argument has been made before on this show by, I can't remember who did it. It might have been Andrew or someone similar saying, that City cannot afford at this moment in their transition, in this moment in their development, to be handing out token contracts. If the player is going to sort of, as we've maybe saw with Fernandinho, they maybe left that one a year too too late to get rid of and, and maybe City were hampered a little bit. I don't know. But in the sense that if Gundogan's getting older and older and older, the, the one-year extensions year after year aren't going to be beneficial for City. I don't know, Ollie, if, you, if you're in the camp that you need to stay. I think personally, from a leadership point of view, it'd be tragic to lose him, given the, the upheaval the dressing room's had in recent years. But from a footballing point of view, if we're looking at the likes of Bellingham, plus one more, and then maybe trying to integrate James McAtee into the fold. Silky Ilky, I don't know. Go, stay, keep, um, loan. Yeah, I'm, I'm like you. My opinion changes on this, you know, on Ilkay Gundogan, especially daily. Uh, where Bernardo Silva's concerned, very quickly for me, it's it's just t- it's time to go, Bernardo. If a club from abroad offers the money, just go because I'm I, I can't deal with another summer of getting to the end of August and Bernardo Silva's agitating for a move and he's still that problem and he's but that and then he does a month of interviews afterward he doesn't get the move going. I wish I had got that move. Because Ilkay Gundogan has been the complete opposite of that. He's almost radio silence. And then every time his contract's been up, it's been like, hmm, I'm considering it because he's at that age. You know, he got that contract in 2019, which, you know, he's often seen as your, your last big contract. 
because he's 32 now. But I think a player like Gundogan, where it's you know, where you know he it's all up here with him. It's all it's all in his head and how he operates as a player instead of his legs. You know, I think you can afford to keep him a year too. I'd rather have him a year too long than a year than a year too short. With a player like Fernandinho, it's different. You know, the physicality in that role is so much more important. But the, what Ilkay Gundogan brings to our midfield is unlike nothing else we've got at the club. It's you know, he's the closest we've got to David Silva, really. Um, you know, in in all in all ways, really. And you you know, you look at someone like David Silva, and you still think, God, he could do a job in our midfield still. So why couldn't why can't Ilkay Gundogan? Um, it it all depends on on how seriously the club want to take this reshuffle. You know, if they're serious on bringing two central midfielders in, then it kind of changes the entire look of this list and how we've decided it, especially with James McAtee. But if if they're only bringing one, you know, and there's various names, so that could be, you know, um, you can afford to keep someone like Ilkay Gundogan and James McAtee for another year. And I think that's all it should be. It shouldn't be a two year contract; it should be a one year contract if he's going to stay. I would like him to, is the captain of this club voted for by the players. So they've obviously got huge respect for him. And frankly, the statue outside isn't built yet. So get that built, please, Caldoun, because he deserves it after what he did in May last year. I think that's the crux of it, isn't it, Alex? It's the one versus two year extension debate, which obviously most players, their agents, are always going to push for, a, uh, unless, you know, the 37, 38, 39, they're always going to push for a two-plus year because it gives that little bit of security. If not, you're just in exactly the same position this time in 12 months. City, however, look very reluctant to put that on the table given the sort of the season we're coming... Uh, sorry, the, the, the transition, the rebuild we're coming up to. I think, if I'm being rational, I go keep, but it's only on terms that suit City. However, if they were to offer him a two-year deal, probably wouldn't have too many complaints. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's just for me, it's more like I'd just be reluctant to have both Gundogan and Bernardo leave in the same summer. Uh, I feel like that's just too much upheaval in the midfield. And we know like how how important it is to... And I think, well, for me, and but obviously clearly for Guardiola... It's always important to have one of those two alongside Kevin De Bruyne. You know, we rarely see De Bruyne and Foden. Like, well, we rarely see Foden starting as an eight anyway. But he has mentioned that you know there's certain players that are very sort of dynamic, go go go, very sort of vertical in how they play, taking more risks like your De Bruyne's and your Foden's. Whereas for Guardiola, it's really important to have someone like a Gundogan or a Bernardo who kind of dictates the temp- dictates the tempo a bit more. It's a bit more controlled. Uh, a bit more patient and I think to have them both leave and then to have someone else step into the role either whether that's a new signing which you know could take a whole season for them to adapt whether it's someone like Foden moving into midfield but then he doesn't quite have that quality still yet like the the powers that that Bernardo and Gundogan have um, I'd be really reluctant to see them go so if it is the summer that Bernardo gets his move if he still wants it I'd like to see Gundogan stay Um, I mean that's go it goes without saying that I'd want him to stay anyway just because of how brilliant he is as a footballer but I think my main concern is just having too much upheaval in the middle of the pitch uh, and then that being an issue next season and you know potentially having a a sort of a down year which you know it's not going to be that bad is it but you know it's uh, in an ideal world I don't think we'd ever have both of them leaving at the same time let's move on to the forwards then to wrap it up um 
how do we do this then? I'll I'll start with one name that I think is is probably a, a certain sell, if not a certain to leave the club in some capacity, be that sell or loan. Liam Delap, he is probably the of the of the the group of players that went on loan to the championship this season. He's probably the one who's who's found the least success, Ollie. Uh he's gone to Stoke, obviously the the, the romantic connection with his his dad who uh who used to Rory, of course, Rory Delap who used to who used to who found fame throwing the ball in from from wide positions quite high up and, and quite long. However, he's not been able to replicate that success at Stoke. Uh, he's, there's no place in the team for him, quite clearly. Julian Alvarez has taken to that second striker spot superbly and you know he's, he's in some capacity challenging Haaland obviously he's not going to be knocking him off that position there just isn't the room for another centre forward in that in that in that capacity so probably not going to get close to the 20 million that we, we've mooted for other potential sales but I think it's probably time that reluctantly Liam Delap leaves the club. Yeah um, Liam Delap is one of the kind of bigger what-ifs of the lone army um, because you know, if he didn't have such an injury-stricken season uh, last year, then who knows? Maybe we never buy Alvarez, and maybe Delap never goes on loan. He's the number two because uh, Pep loved him. I, I think Pep probably still loves him. You know, he's a proper brute of a centre forward. He's just a, he was a brilliant player. Um, another one who will have a great career at another club. Uh, but it's it's an easy decision with Liam Delap. It's time to go. Um, but that's not to underwrite his quality. And, you know, he's, he, this is his first year in senior football. Um, it doesn't always go brilliantly, especially for a striker. It can be up and down, but I think there's enough quality there where he will have a good career. Yeah, yeah, I echo that completely. And it's a shame. It's weird seeing all of these young players who we've known for the last sort of two, three years coming through, having dreams about them maybe breaking into the first team one day and, you know, the next generation of stars. And then, hey ho, they, they, they never make it. City signed £40 million talent instead. That's just the way it is. Um, another one of those players who's on the, on the periphery a little bit, Alex, Cole Palmer. This is probably the biggest question mark surrounding City's forward line next season. And it may come into play with another one of the players who we'll speak about in a moment. But he's had a, a, a struggling campaign, I think it's fair to say. He, he was billed at the start of the season as the as the backup winger in either left wing or right wing, wherever that may be. You know, he's going to come into the first team a little bit like Foden in 2018-19 or 19-20. I can't remember which one. And, you know, sort of shadow one of the more senior players and then get minutes in that capacity. However, be that through performance, be that through... Uh, giving being handed out minutes because City haven't had the sort of the 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 ability to in pre as they have done in previous seasons. There's been a lot of games that have been tight and they've they've not been able to rotate as much as they maybe should have been able to in in previous years. Cole Palmer just hasn't hit the heights many expected. For me, I'm I'm firmly in the in in the camp that he is. He's got the quality to stay, obviously, bagged on on Saturday against Burnley. The only way I'd sanction a departure would be on loan, and that and, and that'd have to be to a, an elite-level club competing in Europe. I'm thinking the likes of maybe Borussia Dortmund, Ajax, someone like that, where he's going to be able to get good minutes at a good club against good opposition, as opposed to maybe, I don't know, a, 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 an upper-end championship contender or a lower-end Premier League club. I think he's, he's still got a part to play for City, if not, I'd like to see you at a, 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 a place where he's going to get really good first team minutes. Yeah, it's um, it's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? It's it's quite given, you know, he scored in all three cup competitions last season. Um, you know, he was sort of to borrow Michael Mike, Mike Richards's uh, burst on the scene kind of 
tagline like he kind of he did didn't he um mm. and then and to think that he managed to get some like decent minutes and also make an impact when you know he was competing along with you know Raheem Sterling in the wide positions Gabriel Jesus and then obviously Jack Grealish and Foden as well um and Riyad Mahrez of course um but yeah I don't know it's I think maybe he was one of the beneficiaries of of uh, of Jack Grealish, perhaps taking a while last season to, to sort of bed in. And obviously Grealish has been very good this season. Um, but yeah, I do kind of, I'd be concerned if he stays and has another season next season like this, because it, he is getting to the point where, you know, he does need the minutes. Um, and I'm not sure what's what would be worse, really, or what would be better, like to go out on loan. You know, obviously McAtee showed that initiative. But, you know, it might not work out for McAtee back at City. Um, whereas we do know that Palmer definitely, definitely has the quality to play in the City team. It's just whether he's going to find the minutes, especially if they go and sign another winger next season or, or or if he has a similar season like this where everyone's playing really well and he just can't get into the team. Um, so not really sure what the best approach would be, to be honest. Yeah, that that's certainly one to be sorted out in the, in the coming months, Ollie. And and it's it's it is intriguing, isn't it? Because last season, obviously, there were, as Alex mentions, people saying that he should be starting above Grealish, and you know, however nonsensical that may have been, that 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 was part of the the discourse surrounding him. However as is the case for a number of these young players, this is his first season in senior football. Last year, he was playing Premier League games and then going off across the road to the Academy Stadium and bagging hat-tricks in the EDS. This year, he's a fully-fledged part of the City senior team. I think it'd... It'd be a mark, wouldn't it, against his name if they were to then sanction a loan, regardless of where it went, even if it went to a, a top Premier League club, it'd be saying, OK, it hasn't worked out this season, which makes me think perhaps maybe one more year which opens up another problem next season if he doesn't sort of make a, a, an improvement on top of that. It's, I think it's possibly one of the biggest questions surrounding City behind closed doors, away from incomings, what they do with Cole Palmer. Yeah, it's a really, really difficult one because I think at this point you've you've really got to take the player into consideration. Is Does he have, you know, is he going to have the same initiative as McAtee to say, no, I want to go and play more, more and more regularly? Or is he going to say? Or is he going to say? Right, I'm happy to be a backup at City again, but with a guarantee of more minutes, with a with a kind of permanent, a, not written guarantee, because obviously you can't put in a contract. I want this many minutes, and Guardiola would never sanction that. But a kind of promise from the manager, you know, say I want a bit more. I want a bit more this season, and a token ten minutes at the end of a three 0 Premier League game, because that doesn't help his development really either at this point. You know, if he's coming on for ten minutes when the game is finished. He's not going to progress. That's all right for an 18-year-old playing his first, you know, you know, games of senior football. But what is he, 20 now, 21 years old? He needs to be playing a lot more regularly. Uh, I think there's a place for him here. Um, but, you know, if someone like Ajax came in or Borussia Dortmund came in on a loan offer, City, I think, would be quite silly to turn that down. Um, if it's championship clubs coming for him, they can be told no. Um you know, if they're going to sell him, it needs to be to a lower-end Premier League club or a mid-table Premier League club. If they're going to loan him, it needs to be someone toward the top, to the top end. You know, someone like Brighton or Brentford, um, one of those, a, t- a club like that level, who are you know constantly able to get something from the big clubs, but not quite breaking that um, duo- that kind of big six opoly. I can't think of the word. Um, 
it's it's a really difficult one for Cole Palmer. Um, but you know he's got the talent, he's got the trust of the manager. Otherwise, he'd have gone out on loan in January. It's just he hasn't had the minutes. Yeah, yeah, really, really weird one. A really weird one. I'll be sort of intrigued and excited to see how that one plays out because it, it will sort of give us a, an indication going forward how City plan to deal with the youth players. Uh, we'll begin to wrap up then. Julian Alvarez, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Jillian Harland. I assume nobody's got any complaints with those four. They're going to be here next season and, and fingers crossed they'll be here next season. The only one, Alex, to, to wrap it up, the only sort of slight question mark around that is Riyad Mahrez, obviously another player who's into his 30s now. And, and this is what I said with Cole Palmer. It could play a part if Mares goes, it opens up some more minutes. He Mares has signed a new contract in the summer, just gone. It will take him to the end of next season, possibly the last chance. Similarly, with Kyle Walker for for City to cash in on Mares, but you assume, unlike Kyle Walker, a, a, a bigish club would still fancy the chances at getting a decent number of of goals, assists, and minutes out of Mares. Um. I don't really have an opinion on this one, which isn't a great thing to say on a podcast, but I wouldn't be surprised if City are looking at a new winger. Mares is maybe the make weight in a deal or is sold to, to sort of up the funds to make an, another deal happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, like out of out of the wingers that they have at the minute, he's the most likely to to be moved on because, you know, they're not going to get rid of Jack Grealish or Phil Foden or, or you know, Julian Alvarez or anyone like that. Um so, yeah, and I think he definitely could still play at the top level. Like, I think he could still play at City for another year or two, to be honest. He doesn't seem to have shown any signs, you know, whenever he comes into the team. It looks kind of like the normal Mares, or at least when he has a poor game, it's not like, oh, you look like you've lost a yard of pace or you're not quite on it anymore or anything like that. Um, you know, could quite easily see him, you know, going somewhere like a PSG or a Juventus or another sort of um, sort of top kind of Champions League uh, side. Although I guess Juventus might not be in the Champions League next year, um, but yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. It's I feel like if unless there's like if there's an offer out there, then I think City would be tempted to take it, and you know it gets the bonus of perhaps it would help the Cole Palmer situation. But similarly, if there's not, I think there's no problem with keeping him, especially you know he's got a bit of time left on his contract. He he can definitely still contribute as long as he's happy to perhaps not be starting as much or as often as, as you would like, then I think it's um, it wouldn't sort of a win-win both ways, I think. I think that's probably one that you have to look at and, and look at City's incomings and make a decision based on that. But speaking of legacy, Oli, I hope Riyad Pasta stays in the canteen because that would be a sad day if it left with him. It's actually really nice. Um, <laughs> I haven't. I I tried it when the documentary first came out. I was like, well, that's actually quite nice there. Um, so, yeah, his legacy is confirmed in the canteen 100%. But, I mean, to, to, to talk about Riyad Mahrez's legacy, he kind of went from, you know, anti-hero to hero. You know, that Anfield penalty miss, we all remember, you know, and the and the city and the city Dars have never shut up about it, um, despite, you know, the, pen, the penalty at Dortmund away in uh, 2021 when we got to the Champions League final. Uh, despite being our top goals, one of our top goal scorers the last couple of years, Riyad Mahrez um, is an is a hero, an icon of this club. Um, you know, I, I absolutely I love the guy. I think he's fantastic. If he wants to stay another year or two, if he wants to see out his contract, fine by me. If an offer comes in or City want to use him in a make weight, he's absolutely going to be staying in, in you know the, cha- the Champions League level. Uh, he's a fantastic player, and I think he's you know 
one of the highest scoring African players in the Champions League. Something He's got some sort of good position in the stats list on that. Uh, he's a fantastic player with more to offer this club. Um, he's still an integral part of you know our goal scoring makeup. Um, can take a penalty when Erling's not on the pitch. Uh, no problems there and anymore, at least. Um, he's a brilliant player. But you know, it's yeah, it's one where the, where the incomings are more. It, if the forward line is more dependent on incomings than it is anywhere else in the pitch, I think. Because, you know, if they want to go and get one of the big name wingers and you can name any of them, you know, however likely they are to happen. I'm not going to start bringing up names here. Uh, someone will probably have to leave and I can see Mara's being that. But, you know, there's no, there's no complaints if he stays. Uh, but he'd be wished a good, uh, a very happy goodbye and leave on good terms, especially with the kitchen stuff if he did go. The city does. That's a that's a species and a half, isn't it? Right, chats. We'll call it a day there. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. If you are new around here or you are not already, hit follow, hit subscribe. If you're kind enough, leave us a rating and a review as well. Um, thank you, Alex. Thank you, Ollie. Until next time, I've been Amos Murphy. We'll see you later. TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running. And just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.